pivot to to some fun examples talk a little bit more specifically about um some of your credits and we'll we'll take a look at some examples and listen and and just kind of chat a bit about it so let's um let's talk a little bit uh about veep Uh, um so uh forgive me for this question but i i i believe so correct me if i'm wrong that from the very get-go it was it was a a co-composed scenario with you and harry right for harry gregson williams for those that uh, are listening uh, Rupert, uh, Rupert oh, Williams. Oh, it was with Rupert. Yeah, I did. Really? I did Why work did with Harry as well, Harry? actually. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I had a I had a, 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 a succession of films where I was going from uh, from one brother to the other, um, okay. helping out in the in their studios. But yes, yeah, my my very first um, gig, actual proper credit, was uh, uh, was a co composer with Rupert doing. Uh, Doing Veep, and again, mm-hmm. I, I I owe him a lot because I they 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 interviewed him at the start, um, uh, and and he had he had uh, wanted to do me a favor, you know, yeah. and and he, he just sort of very lightly t- told them, oh, I I actually really like to do this with my yeah. with my colleague, this great guy that you've never heard of, <laughs> uh, Christopher Willis. Um, and so that I mean, there's, there's it's, people often talk about there being a little bit of a catch twenty two, um, a sort of a bump in the road. Um, if you've been if you've been doing additional music and you've been working in people's studios, actually getting past that into being yeah. being uh, uh, trusted by a studio to actually do something. Um, so often you need you need someone to um, either do you a favour or for someone to get like yeah. run over by a bus at a sort of opportune moment. That's funny. Um, yeah, uh, much rather, uh, much rather, Rupert help me out than get run out by bus. Um, uh, so yes, um, I, I got to meet Armando Iannucci then, all of a mm. sudden, who actually was was um, my comedy hero. Mm. Um, I grew up in Britain, very much in a world of uh, a specific British world of of being totally obsessed with comedy. As a very, um, I, I imagine it's still the case, but certainly was the case in the eighties and nineties in Britain that, 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 that there's a certain sort of subsection, especially male subsection of of, of, of teenage life who yeah. were just obsessed with um, with Monty Python and Fry yeah. and Laurie, yeah. and then with Armando Anucci and Chris Morris and the uh, the, the sort of satires of the nineties, um, and a whole host of whole host of of, of of uh of comedy things and so to actually um to meet armando but also to work on veep which a lot of people i think don't know is sort of was sort of put together by by a host of um british comedy royalty behind the scenes lots and lots of people um uh um uh sam bain and jesse armstrong who've been who've been doing peep show um uh, and Simon Blackwell and Chris Addison and uh, just a ton of people um, associated with, with with other shows working together. Chris Morris even did some episodes. Um, so so uh, so my experience on Veep is, is is very bound up with being really overawed by the by the comedy talent mm. uh, 
not only of course in front of the camera but behind the camera yeah. um and, and maybe that was maybe that helped i mean the music the music was so minimal in that but i did i know that i, I and i knew as, right away that i knew what they were doing comedically because sure. I, I, I spent my whole life watching um watching the previous work of that whole kind of uh, crowd so even though what i was doing on v was was ostensibly quite simple you know just those kind of transitions and things yeah i did feel that i was well set up in terms of aesthetic to kind of know like know what the humor was and and and, and how easy you know how to not mess it up um yeah in 2012 when it came out you know there had been a um a vacancy of kind of Americana uh, main titles or, you know, approaches to, to television shows. And while this one was certainly a comedic show um, and the main title uh, uh, opportunity, just given how much things have changed and the streaming platforms and all, you know, a wide range of variables uh, was not as long uh, in duration as um, it, when I say its counterpart um, for me, arguably one of the more, uh, for all those years it spaced out, you know, it was uh, Snuffy Walden's music uh, to the great television show of our, you know, our president and, uh, well, fict fictitious president and Aaron Sorkin, you know, back when Aaron Sorkin was, you know, um, well, I guess, gosh, he still is at his peak. It seems like he's just been at one peak. Yeah. <laughs> his, his, in, uh, his entire career. And, um, but, you know, so I want to ask you, in, in 2012, when this came out, and this might be because, the the examples I've heard are somehow at the wrong play rate, which is entirely possible. And I only ask it because it's off by a minor second. When you re-recorded it for season four, and I think it was season four where, where you all of a sudden it was much more grand and orchestral. Uh, you, you know, you changed some things a little bit. Um, and we're going to listen to that right now. But uh, the original, from what I've the, the versions that I've heard are an E major. Now the one in season four is an F major. Um, now I don't know if it's always been an F, and I'm just hearing totally wrong playback rates uh, for some reason from the original. Um, um, let's let me let me uh, see what my memory of it is. I we hadn't thought that it needed to be particularly grand. It was definitely bouncing off some some pieces of uh, some pieces of Copeland and mm -hmm. some other yeah. sort of early 20th century ideas. Yeah. Um, ostinatos and things and and it hadn't seemed like it needed to be hugely grand it was just bustling and looking back the the, the way that i that that it comes across in the first two seasons i'm surprised at how sort of not grand it is it almost doesn't sound orchestral because it because it sounds so kind of contained um i think in season three what happens in the plot in season three can't remember what what juncture different things, but actually there is a different arrangement already in season three, and and I think all of those are in F, and then in season four, um, it needed somehow to get even bigger because she's 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 uh, yeah, right. uh, toying with the presidency, yeah, and we moved it down to E major, but yeah, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they're all at weird, slightly off pitches these days, and I'm trying to remember why. Let's we listen. Moved it so here's a here's a good opportunity. Let's let's listen to uh, the season four uh, theme from Veep. I mean, 
hits you quickly and amazingly well. I mean, it's there. You got 12 seconds to do your thing, and you did it. <laughs> that's um, not, that's yeah, not easy to do. Season, you don't have season three there by some miracle, do you? as a result of almost almost wanting to go even higher and, and repeatedly finding that, that that was not a good idea <laughs> um, uh, it was a it was an interesting thing actually because the stakes in Veep get higher and higher and higher that the, the pieces of music don't necessarily get longer but trying to find ways to stay in that voice but be more high stakes you know realizing eventually not wanting to give too much away to people who are planning to watch it, but but, but when she does accidentally become the president later on, yeah, sure, she, she makes these offhand remarks that kind of draw stinging criticism from Iran and stuff like that, and yeah. it just all gets really like quite scary. Um, trying to figure out um, what exactly to do with that with that language um, to to sort of to convey that. It's a uh, comedy is an interesting. Um, area to, to score because, you know, I think that we were taught many decades ago, uh, arguably best by um, Elmer Bernstein, that, you know, s- scoring comedy in a very serious way brings out the humor. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into, so now that we've kind of looked at, 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 at this just a bit, you know, it's interesting to, we'll be comparing perhaps if we have two comedic comparisons here on the podcast, um, one being, you know, this, which is much more of kind of a serious approach, particularly in the main title. But when we fast forward um, just in a bit here in the program, we'll talk a little bit more about the Mickey Mouse shorts. And, right. you know, where the, the comedy is often played a bit more comedically in the music. Sometimes it's played on the serious side. And uh, the one that we're going to we're gonna share is one of my favorites. I'm not sure if you uh, recall it off the top of your head just by episode name, but a couple sweaters. Um, oh great! Right. Yeah, which has got uh, the reason I chose it, and we'll get to it in a moment here, in mean, a few moments, is just how many styles are boom, boom, boom. You got five or six very, very different styles colliding, which is not uncommon in in these shorts, as you know, and as I'm sure many of our listeners know. Um, but this one's really interesting because um, you get some really, really great ones that, that are separated. <laughs> um, so let's fast forward to 2000. Um, 16, I think, was when the Lion Guard started. And this is, of course, one of my, my uh, two young daughters' favorites. Oh, uh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, they, yeah, love, they, yeah, yeah. They, they love watching this show. And, and I know a lot, and as they know, a lot to do with that is the music, um, particularly our oldest. She, she's very, very much into music. Not to say the youngest isn't, but um, she's very attuned to what music does. And, uh, you know, she loves so much of, of what you're doing on this. Now, you're still on this. Um, now, I don't know what the COVID situation is with all. That's like a whole thing with everything going on. I know that you're still recording the Mickey Mouse shorts not only for no other reason that I have. We have mutual friends and colleagues that are recording for you at home, um, which we'll get to that issue uh, in a bit. But let's talk a bit about um, Lion Guard. How's your experience been with Disney? What's it like working with those folks? Um how did you find the gig? That's kind of an interesting question always for every every gig. Well, see, the Lion Guard was uh, uh, such a joy. Um, uh, basically, um, I'd become quite good friends uh, through Mickey Mouse with Jay Stutler, who is the head of music at Disney TVA. Um, uh, you, Mickey Mouse, 
I th- well, I think all of their all of their shows get the you know the the, the composer gets chosen very mm. carefully, and um, it's a remarkable testament to to um, to what Jay and his team achieve actually that they their shows generally run very smoothly once they've found the person they want. Um, it's not a place where you're constantly hearing about people getting fired and things having to be you know wildly wildly hugely changed they kind of get personalities together and and then these 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 shows kind of run um remarkably smoothly um um so he he had been very relieved to uh to find me when mickey mouse was happening he he um i had been i'd done a couple of uh, a couple of gigs um additional music gigs and other sorts of things that had set me up quite well for, for that kind of style. And he was really on the lookout for someone, um, you know, they, they, they were very, very, they were hoping uh, to, to, for the execs not to end up wanting um, someone really well known that they then would suspect that they would lose mm. and end up just getting the, the, the famous person's sort of lieutenants. Yeah, ghostwriters, as it were. So, so he'd been very pleased to to make that discovery. I was incredibly because, but after after Veep, which was a co-credit with Rupert, um, Mickey Mouse was really my first gig. So we were we were both very exciting for both of us. And the start of it was, um, you know, there were a lot of eyes on it because it was it is the central character for for um, for the whole of Disney. Um, so we definitely bonded, you know, getting that thing off the off the ground and. Um, he um yeah he, he had said the odd time that he was he felt guilty that the shorts were so difficult you know and so short um uh and he wanted to kind of get me a, a you know a proper show a normal yeah. show where you know where the where the minutes are, yeah. are higher i think he was actually just as nervous about the lion guard as as he mm. had been about mickey mouse because because the lion king is such a a, a formidable um yeah musical powerhouse you know the 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 names behind it and the and the and the what they achieved together is so is so extraordinary and so trying to figure out some sort of apparatus that 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 you could use some 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 group of people that could uh that could in any way deliver a kind of tv version of that um is, is quite tricky um so he uh he he hit on the idea relatively early on that rather than casting for it, he would um, he would see if I was able to do it, you know. And and I wrote this um, this overture piece mm. uh, to try to understand the show, um, and we presented that to to Ford Riley, who's the showrunner, and to Nancy Cantor, who's the uh, at that time the head of um, Disney Junior. Um, uh, and that went really well, and so that, that and that actually was several years before the show started. But with that with that in place, that went so well actually that we came we met it up again. I don't know six months or a year later to write the main title, and I wrote a whole main title. Um, and uh, I remember Ford heard it and just was like, "Look, you know, thoroughly uh, uncomfortable," and. Um, started asking questions about the the original overture and saying, well, you know, something that you'd achieved in the overture was this and the overture kind of was better in this way. And so we all, we pulled up the overture and started playing around with it. And with it, within about half an hour, we, we'd created a new, 
main title that was based there was just the overture okay. um and then actually the overture featured heavily in the in the pilot episode and really turned into the sort of wellspring that created the sound of the whole show so i i definitely became more of an advocate after that for that idea of kind of writing a um a lot of people say sweet uh, in la which i don't really get if it's one piece and it's the basis of the rest of it. I would say yeah. Overture was better. That's just yeah. me being pretentious, I guess. Um, uh, um, and Jay discovered um, uh, Bo Black. Uh, we didn't discover him, but he 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 met up with uh, with Bo Black, who did the songs. Incredibly talented songwriter. Um, uh, and so, um, uh, once again, we were all, you know. Bo and I were pleased to have the gig, and I think Jay was was pleased to have to have the show kind of covered uh, uh, safely. Um, one thing that's interesting musically, I think, about the Lion King and the Lion Guard is that people forget all of those classical influences on the score in the Lion King. One sort of you say the Lion King, and the first thing you think of is the opening, the opening shot. Um, and knowing that it's that it's hands, you also think about big percussion and and, and and big forces and this kind of massing of of African uh, details that he was able to do very well, you know, and then was 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 kind of a new thing in the nineties to, mm-hmm. to sort of be able to bring so many things into a into a film all at once. It's almost a it's almost a pop music thing yeah. that, that, that was brought into films. But really, there's a lot of this sweeping uh, uh, classical stuff that almost sounds like it could be you know beethoven a beethoven slow movement or, yeah. or or something so it was funny for me actually as i got more into it and and trying to develop this this into a language that i could do week after week um that i didn't think about hans zimmer and what and the, when the sort of hans zimmer cliches nearly as much as i had thought i would i thought oh god i'm going to be doing this thing and uh, you know hans's shadow is going to be hanging over me and somehow it's it, it just it's there's a lot of classic film writing that was required in that show i mean it was i i enjoyed doing lots and lots of homework in into kalimbas and and uh the music of africa but uh, yeah you knowing that it was going to go on for several years it was sort of mm. really cool to sort of get get deeper and deeper and deeper and keep listening to ethnographic things and trying to sneak cool african things into the score but perhaps the biggest surprise was just what great practice it was at just writing full-on you know legit old-fashioned mm-hmm. film music um and i i could keep could keep experimenting more and more with 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 bringing in that kind of bitonal adventurous mm-hmm. stuff that i grew up on with williams and goldsmith and uh, uh, and all the rest of it so it, it it turned into this this wonderful um uh sort of training ground you know i felt after after doing 22 minutes of that every couple of weeks for mm. for three years like there's you know um there's 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 uh there's not much in terms of just having to having to um being asked to do a big a big splurge of orchestral action that um that you can't do if you if you've if you've been through that kind of <laughs> that kind of machinery for a few years yeah well i think one of the the really cool things, you know, be, being on the the listening side, you know, you, it's clear that um, you had a lot of opportunity to play with world music styles, as you're referencing. Um, yeah. And uh, you, 
a lot of kind of Western content. When I say Western content, you know, Disney Junior, Disney Plus, Disney Disney, um, even though they're, they're a global brand, um, it, you know, it's, everything's produced here for the most part and made here. It's, 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 I think it's safe to say generally Western content. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't spend a whole lot of time uh, from a musical standpoint. If you actually look back at whatever, 40 years of collective music history in film or television, you probably find the Western produced stuff most of it is is not dipping into world music styles right um, you know and so it which is a long-winded way of saying that it's a rare opportunity to be able to play with these kinds of things and certainly be able to do it um uh you know in a multi-year period which is really quite fun i, I remember the first time i ever heard it and um i i at that moment did not know that you had written the music but uh, this was years ago when it first came out and um, you know, my kids were listening to it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the kitchen and I'll never forget. I'm cutting what I'm cutting for dinner. And this thing comes on and I, I, I turned to my wife and I said, wow, that's really well written. That's Disney junior. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, when, oh, and yes. when I, when I found out it was you, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, but you know, it's it, uh, to your credit, you know, you, you, you can hear, you can hear the training, what you write. And, and, uh, in, in an age where, you know, um, and I, I say this with, 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 a, with a light heart, you know, best I can. It's not uncommon for me to meet young musicians, um, whether or not, you know, it's on the road conducting or it's, uh, you know, doing some little teaching things here and there or in the area where they really, it's not, it's not a, a cliche, but it's close to say that a lot of these young folks really do think that what can be played back to them on a computer is possible in the live scenario um, without first asking if it actually is. And if it is, what's the difference between what you're hearing on your screen and what you're going to hear in the space? So, you know, um, uh, and again, to your credit, you know, you're, you're um, kind of in the younger category of folks that has a great command of, of uh, real music training. Um. Uh, that's extremely nice of you to say. Um, it, it, there was a, there was a, some decisions to be made early on um, about the the African, the sort of sub-Saharan mm. aspect of the score. Um, uh, you know, in the in the movie, um, Hans was able to do do it. You know, really, really the 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 best way that that that. Um, it can be done if you've got if you've got plenty of time and money, and that's to go, that's to go to South Africa. Say, yeah. is to collaborate with people who really know what they're doing. Yeah. Is to put the chant together, together. Um, you know, Elton John writes the song. Yeah. Um, M teaches the musicians, teaches the singers the 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 chant, mm. um, um, and Hans gets it back together and makes all the bits i imagine yeah. probably made all the bits that didn't work work and copied and pasted and 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 did some amazing magic with all the drum programming and um, <laughs> everything that might have been a disaster based on the first two into a triumph and then you get you get the circle of life um uh in our case we did discuss briefly well maybe we could get a, a, a library of useful things at the start we could spend a bunch of money and we could go to say to South Africa and we could, we could do it that way. But then, then we just have that. Yeah. And no matter how long the show went, that's all we yeah. have. Um, the other way to do it, um, which I think plays more to, to, 
to to my strengths. Um, I don't know how well I would do doing some of that magic that Hans does of bringing tons of people in and, and knowing what to say to them all. Um, it's much more in, in keeping with my background to 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 do, just do lots of reading and studying yeah. and kind of treat it all like a musicologist. Um, yeah, right. We'll probably get back to when we talk about Mickey Mouse in a bit or, or we talk about Death of Stalin. Um, so I really just was like, okay, well, they're going to be these chants and we're going to make them sound real, but they're going to be done in L.A., and they're going to be done by four people, mm. which means I just need to learn how sub-Saharan choirs yeah. sing. I need to learn how those harmonies are. And their harmonies, they sound great. They must be, it must be possible to learn. So I just do endless amounts of listening to things and trying to figure out um, exactly what they would do and all these delightful things they do that, you, that, are, that, are, that, are, you know, that, that Western harmony wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, and uh, and this, we're lucky enough that the show had a, um, a consultant um uh for uh, for language things um mm. uh, uh, con uh consulting on swahili we basically decided same as the movie that, yeah. that swahili would be the language that we would use so i was able to 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 um to work with her on the on the phrases so okay okay the the, the writing is down to me and then the the language i deal with mm. with her and then these amazing la singers um who were capable of, of, so the whole thing was SAG, so we were able to do it all kind of above board with the best people around. Um, they were able to be these quick studies and do lots and lots of listening. And I very often every week they'd come, I'd have some new YouTube video to show them, you know, the Kenyan boys choir yeah, or, sure. or some, something I found. I mean, and all this of course is only possible in the age of the internet where you can, yeah. you can do these things so quickly, which a, a generation ago would have taken months. Um, and I, I think they really, uh, they really end up sounding. You have these chants that sound, um, that sound, that sound very authentic. Yeah. And that, that meant that we were able to do them, um, do a new one every time we needed a new one. You know, which, which the cartoon being, the, well, the show being animated, I wouldn't really call it a cartoon, but being an animated show, I think that was that was the way to go. We mm -hmm. would, we would so quickly have run out of material had we decided to uh, to try and do it the other way that I mentioned by just like going to South Africa or something yeah. and, and, and recording some stuff well let's listen to um, uh, one of the cues from uh, one of the one of the episodes from last year in return to the Pridelands uh, this this one I, I selected that that would be kind of uh, fun for our listeners because there's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of talking it always feels good to return to the Pridelands eh, Simba yes Rafiki <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, hear, hearing that and seeing that, you know, what a, what a great place it must be to live. Not to mention, uh, you know, the seasons changing would kill you in an instant as a human, but, um, uh, uh but yeah, so that, I think that's a really interesting, um, scene to look at, not only because it's, it's an integral moment in the show, uh, as far as, you know, plot arc and storytelling, but, you know, another opportunity for you as a composer to feel like you have some breathing room and, yeah. um, you know, obviously the gig is the gig and you, you, you do the best you can with whatever you have, but let's just be honest, you know, as composers and creators, it's nice to have a little bit of a breathing room to do something that might not be the same as avoiding this particular character's dialogue pitch. You know, in that sense, it's so funny. I remember mm -hmm. years ago, Ron Jones, you know, big writer in town. He's in so many Star Trek episodes and did a lot of things with Seth MacFarlane. Uh, up up until a few years ago, he had a really interesting approach on Star Trek. I mean, he he scored hundreds of Star Trek television shows, and huh. just saying that one thing just triggered this memory of what he had said to me years ago, which was, um, he would go and study at what frequency the dialogue was coming in from the actors, and he would oh, he wow. would avoid it in the music, and structure it around that so that even if they were colliding together, they would symbiotically live in a really great way anyway just kind of a funny story oh i love that wow i mean one often thinks that that people must have um had some i mean it's, it's what it's just i say it's easy to do that now because you have instant feedback from the um uh from the computer you know you're composing with the dialogue there um mm. uh and so you can you can intuitively or quickly yeah. realize that you're in the way of someone's voice but um often watching old movies when when the capacity to do that was enormously more limited yeah. you still feel like they're doing that i mean i i the most recent experience i had of being just totally blown away by lots of aspects of the craft was um the waxman score to sunset boulevard oh. which is just it just fits the yeah. film like some kind of gown you know this mm -hmm. like bespoke gown it's so amazing yeah um so to hear people explicitly say so is is helpful and useful. I, I I'm I, I hear that and I'm like, good, right? I see. It's, it wasn't just magic. Um, <laughs> Brought to you by Santa Concerts, 